get to it. Hey, welcome to the Media Book Podcast, episode one of our special 2018 year end wrap up. We made it. We made it to the end of 2018. We did it. Somehow we are all still alive. Somehow um, a uh, meteor hasn't hit the earth yet. I don't know. RIP economy, government, everything else. <laughs> As we speak, the government is about to get shut the hell down (laughs) over a big, like a bunch of huge, pointy steel beams. Steel, no, steel slats. Steel slats, I'm sorry. Steel slats. slats. (laughs) Uh, So, on this side of the steel slats is the Media Book Podcast. If you are not familiar with our year-end wrap-up, if you listened last year, you'll know what to expect. Our year-end wrap-up is our special celebration of everything that's happened in the calendar year. Uh, we're going to do this in two parts, essentially. The first half of the show, we're going to do a nice little recap of our favorite stories of the year and uh, try to pick a, like, a story of the year for whatever section that we're talking about, whether like it be us, movies, television, video games, or music. Like a story or a theme that we yeah. constantly saw throughout the year. Something that's like, this was the year of blank. Yeah. And then for the back half of the show, that's when we're going to do our... Uh, typically, going to do our individual top fives, the top five things that we enjoyed most of that thing. Um, and then at the end of the show, we will determine just one site pick for thing of the year, whether that be movie of the year, album of the year, uh, television show of the year, or game of the year. I think we'll also do a song of the year. Uh, uh, we'll maybe. play it loose. Uh, we don't think we, I don't know if we're, we're going to be able to do a song of the year. Uh, and I don't think we need to. Oh, well, I, I did a f- top five songs, but we get top there. When we get there. When we get there, because we go in order here. So that means that of the four segments that we typically cover here on the Media Boat Podcast, which, by the way, is a podcast that for three years straight now has been giving you all the news about movies, television, music, and video games, not every, necessarily in that order. Every week for every three week years. For three years. That's a lot. Uh, uh, yeah, no breaks. Uh, we yeah. did podcasts. We did solo casts. We did cast across the ocean. We did <laughs> yes. we cast across the ocean. Yes, all the way over. Uh, live stream yeah, and straight shows. audios. We've done everything this year, yeah. but yeah. Um, so we have divided this into four episodes for the wrap up, and our first one, of course, yeah. Is movies. Just so, a heads up, these will be like hour and a half podcasts. Yeah, give or take. We'll see how they take. go. Uh, this one will might be a little longer because it's preamble. It is. So let's stop the preamble. It's a two-minute preamble. Let's get rolling into it. So movies. Um, just to kind of start things off about movies, how'd you feel about movies this year? Like in general. Like the movie business, movies you saw. Would you think it was a good year for movies? I'd say it was a pretty uptick. It's an uptick for movies in general. There were more. There was more good more movies. than bad. There's a lot of first-time directors but, uh, with the stuff. Yeah, but at the same time, I feel like there is just a general sense of there's a lot more, but there's not that many prestige stuff. That's there, there was a lot. It was more content, but yeah. not a lot of substance. I would agree. I would agree. And there was probably only like two or three moments, like real big movie moments that happened this year. Like two or three movies that really hit. Then some other successes and some successes. Well, yeah, like, like hit the film Zeitgeist. Yeah, that, yeah, where everybody that got crossed over into pop movie. culture. And, and funny enough, I think both of them were two Disney. Of them were Marvel. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, two of them were Marvel, and then like maybe one or two other ones. But really, yeah, 
big year for Marvel, and it's only going to continue. Oh, no, big year for Disney in general. Another. That, that is a three-peat. Because yes. as we've been doing this podcast, I think this is the third time where we have to say, Disney had a crazy successful year. Well, this is all part of Disney buying stuff up in the yeah. late 2000s, mm-hmm. the late aughts. It and keeps happening. Now, here they are just pushing film after film after film, hit after hit, like... They've got that machine rolling. They did have their share of disappointments, though, in 2018 as well, which I'm sure we'll go over. Oh, yeah, we'll get to that. All right, so that's a perfect segue into let's do a little bit of a recap. Let's walk down memory lane and talk about some of the things that we thought were most important that we covered in the calendar year 2018. Give it to me. What started off our year? Uh, I'm going to start off with what will probably be the topic of 2018 okay and that is the rise and fall of movie pass oh man movie pass <laughs> so, yeah movie pass seen when it was introduced as kind of the savior yes when it, that price drop happened everybody freaked out that's actually one of our first stories of the year was the price drop so that was from like it was kind of a prestige thing it was like 20 something dollars a month then they decided to well, break the internet well, no, and drop the first, first it was fifty bucks $50, a month. That's right. And then they dropped it to ten bucks a month. Mm-hmm. And then they decided to drop that to six ninety five a month uh, <laughs> through their deal with Costco. Right. So what this caused was like everybody mad dashing to get a subscription to this thing. Yes. And they figured that the more people we have subscribed, the more people will just pay and we won't have to pay out that many tickets. The only catch here is that the way that the business was set up was essentially kind of problematic for investors. Investors looked at this thing and was like, this just seems like people are paying for a thing that is giving you, the company, less money than they would pay directly. Like, well, that the, was the, the money didn't thing. Well, that was the whole thing. It was, we're going to pay less for a ticket, we're going to cover both costs for a ticket, but we'll make that up on the back end when we sell all this data that we've gathered of the of demographics of people yeah. of all the data we have of people going to the films of what they're seeing it was kind of we'll like, sell that data and make up yeah. money that way and people were pretty much fine with that but that relied on the fact that they assumed that companies were going to want that data and that's exactly what I said when yes. this thing was launched yes like it's all good and dandy unless you can't sell that data it all hinges on can you sell this does anybody want what we're what we're giving them and the answer, plain and simply, was <laughs> no. No, not really. So, yeah, over the course of the year, it kind of had its ups and downs. Like, the Costco deal kind of had, like, an interesting, like, turnaround for it. But then things changed. Yeah. Uh, we, it kind of went partially public. Yeah. And nothing mattered at that point. Because AMC came up with its own thing. Theaters started discounting their own tickets. And soon people just weren't needing MoviePass anymore. Yeah. It just kind of like dropped out of, out of nowhere. I think also because, oh, that's right. That was the main reason why. They switched their plan on people. Yes, that was it. It was, you can't go, it went from, you can see any movie you want to, you can only see these select like films, or these select times, to we're going to add a surge price. If you want to see a movie, to where I search to if you want to see a recent film, all the way cut down to these. This is what you can see on our on our card. This is when you can see it. That's it, and even cut down even then to like only like three films. I think it's currently at three films a month. Yeah. 
So going from everything to three films a month yeah, is only different. 36 a year. And so people started looking at this thing as like, well, I'm, it lost I, its value for if me. If I can't use this all the time, then what's the point? It, it lost people's value in it. Therefore, it lost value and trust in the consumer. Yeah. And it's now been swept away. Basically, people if people still do have it, it's kind of on the side. It's not the main way people are seeing movies anymore like it was for those six golden months. Oh, they were lovely, too. <laughs> So yeah, you have direct experience with this. You used MoviePass for that. Time. No, no, I didn't use a MoviePass. You abused MoviePass. I abused MoviePass. <laughs> so yeah, you were one of the people that were like power user on this thing. You oh yeah. Used it every opportunity you could. And rightfully so. But yeah, so well, well, what do you think is the lesson here? What do you think was the was the was the tale that is told by MoviePass? They price point themselves out of it. Yeah. I think. Well, even when I first heard of MoviePass, like. Two years ago, when it was at $50 a month, I thought, you know, if I break that down, maybe if they went to 40 a month, that's 10 bucks a week yeah. for potentially, for potentially a, week, a, week. a movie a week. Yeah. yeah, I could see myself doing that. But but then when they dropped to 10 bucks, like nine ninety nine, I was like, yep, okay, sign me up. Yep, that, that that's perfect for me. <laughs> and that was perfect for a lot of people, too. Yeah. And they just price point themselves out. Yep. Yeah. To the point where they needed investors to influx money to keep MoviePass afloat. Yeah. So yeah, it was a crazy, crazy thing and it definitely, it was one of those stories that kept going throughout the entire year. So yeah, I would definitely say this is eligible. This is in the running for one yes. of the stories of the year, but I don't know if it's quite it. What else did we talk about this year? Uh, we also talked about Europe Corp. <laughs> oh yeah, this was weird. Yes. Uh, as they posted a $83, loss, $83 million net loss in January. Yeah. And then most recently they posted another $101 million loss in December of this year. So explain what this is. This is the Luc Besson joint, right? Yes, the Luc Besson company. Yeah. Um, where they had films just severely underperform oh, yeah. uh, last year, including Valerian, Valerian. Uh, and The Circle. Right. Starring Tom Tom Hanks and Emma Watson. Nobody cared about either of those movies. No. Uh, they did make a deal with Pathé, mm -hmm. uh, the animation company. Right. But they had no releases this year. Yeah. Nothing. I think they had one, actually. But it wasn't under this deal. Mm. So that's a deal that Europort made. But, yeah, they did release a film, I think, this year. Or they did... Nobody, Nobody noticed. Nobody noticed. And, <laughs> and then as a result, that company may just will go under. Maybe. I wouldn't be surprised. Also, Luc Besson uh, kind of had his own stuff that we talked about last week. Yep. Um, where he himself is getting called out. So it's just a bad look for him all over. Okay. Well, what else do we get? Uh, well, we also talked about the... WGA. Oh, yeah, that was a crazy, like, a continuing story all year as well. Oh, yeah, just, well, not only just the Writers Guild, but also the um, Voice Actors Guild. Yeah, we had a lot of talk Let's just go with both of them at the same time. Yeah, let's talk about the, these. So, big year for unions, uh, and unions standing up for their rights and trying to negotiate with the big companies for new deals. So, we almost had a writer's strike this year. Yeah, we did. 
Almost. It was it was narrowly avoided though. They did come literally with like title. like three hours left before yeah. the deadline to strike. Yeah, it was about streaming content, if yes. I remember correctly. Yep. About how that wasn't giving them royalties. Uh, streaming and video on demand services. And video on demand. So basically new technology kind of changing up the system and trying to the writers trying to work like figure out how they were going to get paid royalty wise for these things. So they ended up coming to some sort of conclusion about uh, about payment. I don't think it was exactly what they wanted. No, but well, no, not for the writers. For the voice actors, it was. Oh right, right, right. For voice actors, they got what they wanted. They, they got, got the most royalties. of what they wanted. They got the royalties on it. They got the hours. They got the content. Right. Uh, the the revealing of the content. Yeah, not the like voice actor one was interesting too because yeah. it was it was less about pay and more about we want to know what the projects we're working on are because it was basically the the actors complaining. I get these projects. I cut like they say to come in and do this thing, but they don't tell me what the game is. They don't tell me what kind of game it is. Right. They don't say like if it's a recurring character right. or how if they should do have it. Continuing work. So this the deal that they made with the the game companies pretty much solved that. Where it's like okay, now they get to know what kind of game it is. Now they know the name of the project. Now they know whether it's a sequel or not. I mean, that kind of business. Also, also whether it's a triple A title or an indie game. Right. 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 What what. Where, where is this being marketed to? So overall, uh, I think both successes were successes for the industry as a whole. Mm-hmm. I think having um, uh, both of these these guilds uh, figure out a way to um, to be paid and to be respected for what they do as a business is just a net positive. Especially the Writers Guild, we couldn't have dealt with another 2008 on our hands where we no. were dealing with like side content and and derailed projects because there were no writers. Which is funny because 2008 was right before all this digital streaming yeah. really took off. And that's why this happened. So so yeah, looking forward to hopefully um, more guilds standing up for themselves, more unions, uh, getting in the face of these, these companies and being like, no, give us what we've earned. What yep. we've earned. No, that's right. Okay. That brings us to February. Okay. And the one film that pretty much ruled February. Black Panther. And we have to talk about Black Panther. So Black Panther, yeah. It was it was exactly what everybody thought it was going to be. It was a big deal. Ryan but Coogler delivered. Exactly to how, what extent of how big it was, I think it, everybody was surprised with how well it did. It, and this thing just kept making money uh, for the first few months of the year. It really like dominated the box office. It set a bunch of records, yeah. uh, not only for first-time superhero films, yeah. but international-wise, it crossed the billion-dollar mark. I think six hundred million domestically. And it proved, and this was a thing that stayed for the whole year as a trend. It proved once again that if you give uh, give audiences a movie with a predominantly uh, minority cast. That is not going to turn away audiences, like so many studios have said in the past that it would. It brought people in. In fact, it was one of the most successful movies of the year, even with like probably because it had a almost completely black cast. And it proved as the year went on. I mean, we had other successful movies like Crazy Rich Asians that proved the same thing: is audiences want to see movies that tell stories about people who are not seeing all the time. This is something that people want to see and will see in droves. Well, not only that, but the reduction behind the scenes. Yes. Not just what's in front of the screen, but everything behind the scenes as well, with it being written, directed, yes. um, scored mm-hmm. as well by predominantly black right. black Amer- African-Americans. Yeah. Yeah. Like, because Disney decided to go all in, mm-hmm. 
on this thing, they were greatly rewarded with it. Yeah, it was. It was. Uh, yeah, it's one thing that was an incredible success, but it's another thing that it's an incredible success with the way that it was made and with who's in it, because it's it's very very important. And yeah, it's it's made a lot of changes. I think in the industry as a whole because of how successful it was. Not only that, but it was also a freaking awesome movie. I like. I still stand by my statement. A year, almost a year later, that this is the best Marvel movie that they've ever made. It is the best scripted. It is the most entertaining. I was never bored. I was never confused. Throughout that movie, everything makes sense. It's funny. The acting is wonderful. The villain is interesting. Michael B. B. Jordan. Jordan. Let's shout him out. Our our favorite. Our favorite, Michael Michael B. B. Jordan. Jordan. But, like, they were able to make a Marvel movie interesting to me, which up to the point I saw, I was over Marvel movies. I was like, maybe they're not for me. I kind of see these as, like, you know, going through the motions. Action popcorn flicks. But after Black Panther and then like, we'll talk about Avengers Infinity War a little later, after those two, I'm like, all right, I'm back on board. You like, guys got me again. They, like, you they, made two they can really make, good movies. They, they can make statements they about make everything. Yeah, so yeah, Black Panther, not only a huge success and not only societally important, but yeah, just a great movie. So it's on Netflix still, right? So yep. people haven't seen it, they can just see it. It's right. great, and who knows? Maybe we'll even see some Oscar buzz around it. Quite possibly. Quite uh, possibly. Since we brought up uh, our favorite Michael B. Jordan, what yeah. about the year that he's had? Yeah, he has had a great, great year. So not only the, uh, did he star in Black Panther, mm-hmm. he also starred at the end of the year Creed Two. Yep. Um, he, in the very middle there, he had Fahrenheit Four Fifty One mm-hmm. on HBO, which not a great product, but he's good in it. He's good in it, yeah. But it wasn't a great movie. And then, mainly his production company, yes, making deals and including, uh, what was it writers? Yes, uh, 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 Francis McDormand's favorite, yes, the uh, inclusion, inclusion writer, writers, which he was a strong proponent of throughout the year. Yeah, and he was even able to strike a deal with Warner Brothers. Yeah, to any production he works on has inclusion writers. Just great, just great, like just stellar. This is the man who is going to be the the, the face of the movie business for the next ten years. Saying it right here. And he's already proving it. He's got the business sense yeah. that in order to be a, yeah. a another big success. And the acting chops. He's got oh. he's the whole package. Oh, really. yeah. And those abs. <laughs> Anyways. Okay. Anyways, uh, moving, moving on into March, we have to talk about the other big thing. Okay. The Weinstein Company. Oh, and okay. The dismantlement of the Weinstein Company. So, Harvey Weinstein... Um, it's been an open secret in Hollywood that he was a terrible person. Like, everybody knew that he was doing some really shady and awful things that would have gotten most people fired. So but much, because of how powerful he was in Hollywood, nobody spoke out. It or, was such an open secret mm-hmm. that it was made fun of, not only in 30 Rock, but right. also in Entourage and other yeah. film, like, TVs, movies about... Or TV about film. That there was a character knew. like him yeah. in there. Everybody knew it's just that when people did speak up, nobody cared, and everybody like tried to th- like just tuck it under the rug. But because of how many people decided to speak out all at once, and all the voices that came together, and again, I wish that this didn't have to be the case. I wish we believed individuals when they spoke up as well. Mm-hmm. But because of the number, it became more visible. It started what we now refer to as the Me Too movement. And it started this 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 
this huge movement over the course of the entire industry and other industries in the entertainment industry as a whole uh, that kind of gave a voice to these victims of sexual assault and harassment and like got Harvey Weinstein kicked out of his own company and dismantled, as you said, the entire company below him. Yeah, it got sold off in pieces. Yes. I, uh, who would say bought most of it? Uh, MGM. Being, yeah. MGM. I think... Oh, no, no, MGM went through it. Uh, it was like some other, like, investment company that ended up kind of picking up. Picking oh, yeah. Up. Yeah, yes. Uh, Investor group led by Maria Contra yeah. Suite. Yeah. Right. Because, yeah, it was it was kind of a crazy thing to follow, uh, both, in a, like, just for Harvey and then also for the business oh, side okay. of Lionsgate. it. Yeah. And, and Lionsgate ended, ended up, up being uh, the one to submit the final, the most money for it. Which we were like, okay with, because we were like, yeah, Lionsgate could do a lot of things with those properties. Yeah. It made sense. So, yeah, like, overall, just I think I think that the, the, the story about Harvey Weinstein himself is not as important, because, yeah, he was a scumbag and he got what he finally deserved. Uh, but the, the story is really here about the Me Too movement and how much of a change that's made. Uh, it is important to know a lot of this ball rolling did start last year. And I'm sure we probably talked about it in our wrap-up for 2017 as well. Yes, I believe that was one of our big stories. Yes. But the comeuppance is what happened this year. Right. Um, though he was still, of course, paid for a lot of this stuff. And he definitely was not, he's definitely not worse for wear. Uh, and he's definitely not, say, in prison, like he probably should be. Mm-hmm. So things didn't go as well as they could have. Uh, but at the same time, the company is gone. And his name is no longer in Hollywood. So there's that. Yep. And a big part of what he did, mm-hmm. or his movies that he campaigned for, were for Oscar season, award season. And that happened. And that, well, that story brings us to our next story yeah. of Cannes Film Festival and streaming. Yes. Being streaming services trying to get their foothold in award season. So yeah, streaming services uh, start... Uh, putting money into original content, original films, and start putting uh, putting money towards very important prestigious directors and, uh, and making prestige films for their services. Not just prestige films, but passion projects. Yeah, and it makes awards lucrative. It's these directors that are used to putting their things up for award season, but are these awards and festival circuits ready for streaming services? Well, this year they kind of faced the music. It was basically a question for these festivals such as Cannes and these award uh, uh, award companies, I guess you could say, award associations, to decide whether this was when they were going to lower that wall and let the streaming companies come in. Uh, they did on technicality yeah. purposes. For the most part, the streaming services got what they wanted this year. Yes. Um, whether we'll, that will translate into gold and awards? We'll see. That remains to be seen as the Golden Globes happen at the beginning of January. A lot is riding on Roma, Alfonso Cuarón's Roma, yes. uh, to see how well that does in uh, the season. Uh, so far, it's been getting on a lot of top ten lists, mm-hmm. but, you know, it's got to get gold, yeah. which I think it can only get for foreign film. Y- y- it's, it's a weird in one. In the past, there have been movies like this. That also are in the foreign film, but also get Best Picture nods. Right, it's they happened. cross over. It's happened. I think this could. Just word of mouth wise, I think it's mm-hmm. possible. So, right. All right. Uh, moreover, in this year, 
we had George Miller and Mad Max and Warner Brothers yeah. legal fights. This was interesting. Because, uh, yeah, basically the fight is over how much the studio uh, owns of this and the, and the retakes and all this chaos that happened on set and, and, and how much George Miller himself does. Right. It comes to a, here's the film George Miller made, yeah. and it made it under budget, but because you wanted these reshoots, it put us over budget, but that's on you. Yeah. And so that's where they're at. <laughs> Try to settle out. So this still hasn't payments. been settled. Unfortunately, no. And this also means that any Mad Max sequels or spin-offs have uh, unfortunately been put on hold. Mm-hmm. Like there was a lot of talk about uh, the Charlie Theron character getting her own film. That might not happen anymore. So, yeah, well, it, everything's in Mad Max limbo right now. Yep. Uh... Moving on, I guess that brings us into May. Yeah. End of April, beginning of May, and we can now talk about Infinity War. So yeah, the summer movie season ostensibly started with uh, Avengers Infinity War, and it is a, was a really, really good follow-up to Black Panther in the way where it's like, here's a movie that does all the traditional superhero stuff, but also has a surprising heart to it. Mm-hmm. Has a good sense of humor to it, and also ends in a really unexpected way. And it's also a culmination of ten years mm-hmm. of putting these films together. Yeah. Well, technically more, but Iron Man premiered in two thousand eight, mm-hmm. and here we are, twenty eighteen, talking about Avengers: Infinity War. Like that book, essentially, or the graphic novel, mm-hmm. essentially was deemed unfilmable because yet. Too many characters to account for mm-hmm. that it could not be told. And somehow, though, uh, with the with the, the direction, with the script... The Russo brothers. They were able to make it manageable uh, in a way that Avengers 2 sucked at. Like, it is amazing to think about how good of a movie Infinity War is, especially when you compare it to Age of Ultron. Well, you have to compare it because that's a direct <laughs> sequel to it. It is a mess. One... Like, one mess after another, and somehow Infinity War uh, is cohesive, it's, it, like, it, like, is fun to watch, it's entertaining, and, yeah, I can't say more about how that thing ends, that ending, and just the way that you feel after you come out of that movie is just like, wait a minute, they're just gonna, what just happened, what the hell, like, what the hell, movie, you just did a crazy thing, and now I have to wait till the next one to find out what happened? Not only that, but there were like 30 plus characters in it, and each one had a memorable moment. Oh yeah, for sure. That's what makes it an overall arching movie of, this is so grand in concept and perspective that you're able to include (laughs) 10 years worth of films. Right, and somehow make it work. And make it work. Yeah. So, uh, we'll, we'll talk about more of this later. Yeah, we'll too. talk about more about it later. I'm sure it's on our list. Yes. Uh, but yeah, it's uh, crazy, crazy that this thing ended up as good as it is. And now we know about its uh, sequel coming out next year, uh, Endgame. And so it's yep. very exciting to see what happens there. Yep. Uh, let's see. All right, next. Uh, also, it did really well, but we don't have to tell you that. Okay, uh, <laughs> follow-up. Um, yes. The Weinstein Company was sold to the... Lantern Capital. There it is. Not, not uh, Lionsgate. That's what we were thinking. Yeah. Um, but we have a payday for Patty Jenkins. Right, yes. Nine million. Nine million? Yeah. Yes. Nine million dollars to direct, making her the highest paid women director. Yeah. 
and rightfully so. I mean, last year we gushed about Wonder Woman and how good of a movie that was and how great of a date, like, like just, just an amazing superhero debut for her as director. It's just so good. She gets to make another one of those things. Yeah. Uh, but speaking of sequels, yeah. we have to talk about Solo. Oh boy! All right, so you take <laughs> a Star Wars story. Yeah, you take uh, the the success story that Disney had with both uh, Black, Black Panther. Panther and Infinity War, and then you kind of give them their dud of the year, which weirdly enough had Star Wars on it and had one of the biggest names in the Star Wars franchise. I, I'd argue that there's a bigger dud out there. Well, maybe we'll get to that later. But what? What are you going to say? A Wrinkle in Time. Oh, uh, well, yeah. We're going to get to that later. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but, but yeah, so it wasn't necessarily a bomb, and it wasn't necessarily a critical bomb either. It got kind of middling reviews. Like, people seemed to be like, yeah, it's fine. But, like, it's a fun story. But to say dot, 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 it's fine about a Star Wars movie, that was surprising to a lot of people and mm-hmm. also surprising to Disney themselves. Yeah. They thought that this was a surefire hit. They even, after the stuff that we talked about last year about the uh, directors of the project, of course, our favorites, Lord and Miller, mm-hmm. getting kicked out of the mo- their own movie and being replaced by milk toast Ron Howard, everybody thought that this was going to be weird and like a, a kind of middle-of-the-road picture. And yeah, it was. Yeah, it was. But that's what Ron Howard does. He hits, he hit, he's base hit. He's the base hit director. He's not a home run director. He's a base hit director. Yeah, but he's, he's always, liable. But he's always going to give you those singles, doubles. Yeah, exactly. Not, not, every now and then he'll, he'll get one out of the park. Every now and then. Now and then. He'll, he'll, he'll have a, a Best Picture nomination every ten years. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, for the most part, yeah. they're enjoyable films. And that's what this yeah, was. This, that's what this was. It was a fun adventure movie with some some a few like cool um, uh, set pieces. A really cool message I, mean, I wasn't expecting towards the end there with this, this, this concept of you know, people rising up you know, mm-hmm. and kind of banding together and trying to form a resistance against the Empire. Like, there were cool seeds, and I remember I was talking about this uh, about when we covered the movie on this podcast, uh, about, like, there were seeds of really good ideas in this movie, and there was stuff in the periphery that was really awesome. It was just the actual story they were telling about Han Solo was just so by the numbers and so predictable. The fact that you could have taken Han Solo out and put generic character yeah. in... And had a way better movie, potentially. ...is what most people will take away from this. Yeah. And also, it kind of... It, it made the fans kind of pissed because you did a lot of very dumb stuff about, like, oh, this is why Han Solo is called Han Solo. And, like, stuff that wasn't necessary. Yeah. It's like, everybody knew. It was like, oh, are they going to make a movie about Han Solo? Is it going to have the Kessel Run? And yeah, it has the Kessel Run in it. Because it has to. Yeah. And stuff like that didn't make fans that happy. No. But it's also Star Wars fans and you can never make them happy. Right. But <laughs> unfortunately, the limited success that Solo had yeah. resulted in the cancellation of upcoming films. Which I'm kind of mixed about. Like, I, At the same time, I'm like, part of me is like, good, I don't need a Star Wars film every single year. It's not necessary. But the other part of me is like, there could be potentially good stories told about these two characters if they were done well. But if the studio's heart's not in it, then maybe they wouldn't have been done well in the first but place. But that, that's the ultimate end. What, what happened with this is that they canceled yeah. Boba Fett, they canceled Obi-Wan, mm-hmm. they canceled Yoda. They basically scrapped all future films except for Episode Nine. 
and refocused everything to TV, which is going to be on the Disney streaming service, which we'll we'll get to. 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 And John Favreau, yes, yes, as being in charge of that. So yeah, overall, probably a net positive when you think about it. The grand scheme of things, we're probably going to get a lot more smaller, digestible. Uh, pieces of it, of Star Wars content instead of huge, giant Star Wars movies every single year. So it might be, in the end, be a good thing. But in the meantime, we have this very weird, like, movie uh, that that is solo in the aftermath of it all. And it's just like, well, it exists, but it's never going to be anybody's favorite Star Wars movie. Well, let's see. We talked about Marvel. We talked about Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about another branch of Disney arms. Okay. In Pixar and yes. animation, and how John Lasseter ended up leaving. John Lasseter's story this year is a confusing one still because nobody's really officially gone on the record to say exactly a specific thing that happened. It's right. all been there's very no vague. In- there's no specific incidents anyone can point to. It's just the atmosphere and clout so around the, yeah. him. The actual story is is that. Yes, over the over the years, there have been stories that are big re- recollections about. Oh yeah, John Lasseter hugs a lot. He's very touchy. He says the occasional inappropriate thing in meetings. He's a little close with the female employees. Stuff like that. We knew that already. But I guess it came to a head so much, and with the Me Too movement gathering so much steam, John Lasseter himself basically decided that he was going to take his own sabbatical and leave the company. So, in the aftermath of this, there was an article that did come out that kind of gave a little bit more specificity to the stories that I just mentioned. Mm-hmm. And that did help to kind of be like, alright, maybe it is a good thing for him to be leaving at this point. But, again, net positives. The good news here is that he was replaced by, by some really cool and promising people. Right, the first one being Jennifer Lee, who yes. directed Frozen for the Walt Disney animation. Right. And then Pete Docter, who did Coco recently. For Pixar. And Pete Doctor, of course, we gushed about Coco last year. We yes. think it's the best Pixar the, movie. Was, we think it was the best movie of 2017. Yep. So obviously he's a good pick. And then Jennifer Lee is the first woman to run Disney Animation, which is really important. And That's I, never happened. No, but that is a great pick because yes. Frozen Frozen's not only great. made gangbusters, yeah. but they have Frozen 2 coming up. Yes. Um, it's just... It's a fresh perspective. Like I said, I think it's what promising. They needed. Yeah. It's promising, and maybe we'll see some different kind of things out of Disney next year. So yeah, cool. Yeah. Uh, let's see. I guess going off the Me Too movement, we have the story of Terry Crews still. Yeah, yeah. Terry Crews had, had his own story this year. Right. Not only with his own lawsuits, but also testifying before Congress. Yes, yes. It gave a lot of visibility to the fact that this movement is not exclusively about women. This movement is about everyone and how anyone uh, can be approached and, and have these experiences with predatory uh, people, whether it be bosses, whether it be friends. Like, this can happen to anyone. And Terry Crews is a huge jacked guy. So, like, he is the ultimate proof that this is an epidemic and this is something that everybody should be aware of and everybody could potentially have to deal with. He didn't have the greatest time, obviously, like, with, with this as internet trolls and the terrible people out there were very quick to basically be very uh snide about it and be like well, why didn't you just beat him up it's like no it's not that easy right it's, it's like terry cruz was very very uh good about 
placing the context around the situation he was in and naming names, which mm-hmm. was important. So right, it also shows that just because you're strong and powerful doesn't yeah. mean you're all that powerful either. Right. There's there's different power. Different rankings. definitions of power. Definitions You're of right. power. There are different definitions of power, and I think that's, if anything, that's what the story says. But yeah, like I said, it was just, it was very important for visibility and very important for him to get that story out for other people who have gone through the same thing that were afraid to speak. So yeah, it's 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 good, and hopefully hopefully he's doing better now. Because <laughs> man, he's great. I love Terry Crews. Oh yeah, we love Terry Crews. Yeah. Let's see, moving on into the summer, we had yeah. two stories dominating. First was the official selling of Fox to Disney. Yes, which was not immediate, but it kind of continued throughout the year. Right, and the second being James Gunn being let go of Guardians of the Galaxy 3. Well, let's talk about one at a time here. All right. So uh, the Disney and Fox thing, I'm going to say right now, this might be the story of the year. Because just the effects that this will have, not only on what Disney owns... But just on the entertainment world as a whole, especially when we're talking about Disney having a very important streaming service debuting next year. Well, not only that, but we covered not just mm-hmm. legislation in the U.S., but yeah, international legislation this is of the, what they can have. one of the biggest entertainment companies, maybe you could argue the biggest entertainment company in the world right now, uh, becoming even bigger and absorbing some of, like, some of our favorite franchises and and, and companies. And characters and series, and when this like initially was like being talked about, I frankly didn't think this was going to happen. It was too crazy. It's like no, that's that's moving towards monopoly. It is, but it's happening. So, 20th Century Fox as a movie studio, as we know it, is not going to exist, at least in the way we knew going it. Going into the next decade, they may still use it as a as a like a, a studio like a name. Like, they may use the, the, the logo and the name just for recognition, mm-hmm. but these are going to be Disney movies. Disney owns now, and the important thing about the, 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 of course, is the Marvel stuff. Disney now takes the X-Men and all the characters that Fox had owned and were using. That's theirs now. Right, and that essentially means that Marvel, like, entire cinematic universe... Is united. ...is now coming under one banner. Yeah. After Marvel has a company was flailing in the late 90s and sold all their characters <laughs> just to be alive as a company. Yeah. So I think it's big just in the way that, yeah, like I said, like the, when that streaming service hits, we're going to really see the breadth of all the things that Disney owns. Disney now owns pretty much everything you love, <laughs> which is crazy. It, it, I'm perfectly fine with that until yeah. I'm not, but for now yeah. I am. <laughs> It's like it's it's a mixed feeling for sure because it's a it's a feeling of that yes that fear of monopoly for sure is there, but it's also a feel of like they've been actually pretty good when they bought other companies like this at treating them as separate entities. Obviously, the Marvel Cinematic Universe is the perfect example of this. Pixar is also a perfect example. Pixar is a good example. Of this. Star Wars is a good example of this, maybe except for Solo. And so, like, yeah. Yeah, but at least with Solo, they immediately recognized right. where they went wrong and are immediately on that course correct. Yeah, so, like, that's the thing is I'm very mixed about it because, yeah, you, you ideally don't want one company owning everything. But, but if, if that it's company's going to be Disney, good stuff, that's probably fine for the consumers. That's pro- probably fine for the person who wants to enjoy good entertainment because they're going to maintain the level of quality for all these franchises. 
Right. It's not like they're going to buy them and then immediately pump them so they can get their money back. But I do have a prediction to make. Go ahead. I think one of the most one of the things that I don't think anybody has predicted yet that is probably going to come out of this. I think that season thirty will be the last season of The Simpsons. If if their contract doesn't run yeah, up already, they they have not renewed it beyond. Right. And I don't think they will. I think that Disney just doesn't need to keep that thing going. I think they'll just look at it and be like, all right, we have 30 years of television like that we can just play on, repeat on FX for the rest of our lives. I think everybody's good. Yeah, I think... Maybe make another movie and then call it quits. I could see that. Like, you guys want to go out with a bang? We'll give you what you want to make a movie. Yeah. Go ahead. I mean, that's the thing, is that I heard recently a story about how... Fox, before the purchase, mm-hmm. made uh, announcements about that and the movie about uh, the, for Bob's Burgers oh. at the same time. So that way, Disney would basically be forced to make forced it. Forced to make it. Because if it's announced, then people will expect it to happen. Right. And so that's the theory, at least, among apparently the animation people, is that they announced another Simpsons movie and a Bob's Burgers movie, so that way they would actually happen. Yeah, but <laughs> I don't see Disney necessarily getting rid of that animation, because yeah. that's considered different adult animation. Right, it's a different thing. It's a different beast altogether, and they're actually too <laughs> successful. It's a different beast altogether. Yeah, beauty. Beast. <laughs> uh, but I think that Disney could do well in that adult animation if yeah. they let them be. I think just the impact this will make it will be very, very important. Right. So we'll see, that, that, well, that might be eligible. Well, speaking there. of impacts made, let's All talk right. about the other side of this. So yeah, the other James thing is the James Gunn story, this was crazy. So, the story was that James Gunn, a lot of people, uh, well, specifically uh, some right-wing commentators, uh, took it upon themselves to dig up some old um, tweets that James Gunn had made. And by old tweets, we mean 10 plus years. Yeah, decade-old tweets where, yeah, James Gunn was saying some pretty pretty bad stuff. But he was also, like, doing trauma films at that point. Trauma, yeah. He was in the the kind of the, the, the horror kind of community back then. It was a... It's too easy to say it was a different time. Obviously, it was a different time. Yes. But, but also, it was something that he has publicly like been aware of, and publicly he, addressed, and he publicly apologized. And apologized for. And Disney, of course, though, wanted to quell the PR storm as fast as possible, so they decided to, right after this got back out last uh, this past year, uh, to kick James Gunn off of, of the st- out of the studio and basically remove him from a sequel to Guardians of the Galaxy, Volume 3. Um, so that put that project on hold, put James Gunn out of a job, for now at least. There are those rumors that have him working on a DC film. Um, but but that's pretty much it for Guardians as we know it. At least yeah. helmed by James Gunn. Right, and maybe just Guardians as itself, as Dave Batista, Zoe Saldana, Bradley Cooper... Are all in solidarity. Are all in solidarity, yeah. uh, Chris Pratt, and basically saying that if James Gunn doesn't come back, we may not want to do a new Guardian stuff, which they are contracted to appear in. Yeah. But that's it. It's appearing, not necessarily starring, where you can have right. them appear in the first act, get killed off, yeah. and then do a completely new Guardians with Thor and Nebula yeah. and remaining, characters. Char- remaining characters. So, yeah, I think the, the, the two things important about this story is, one, uh, Disney... Well, of course, immediately regret this because fans went crazy about it. Uh, the the actors, as you said, 
uh, were pissed and stood in solidarity with James Gunn. Like, just it just was a bad look for them. And people were right to, to point out that he did publicly apologize for these things. That Disney was technically, they, there was no way they were, weren't aware that this was happening. And this, but the two, and the more important takeaway from the story, is this is scary time to live like this is a weird time for social media and how everything is literally out there forever everything you've said so yeah it's well, important to keep in mind that what you're putting on social media and what you have put on in the past in social media and be responsible for that yes but it's also important for companies like disney to be aware of where they're getting their news yeah. and to what like the context of the news is but james good to end up landing on his feet he did he got a Suicide Squad 2. Which I mentioned, yeah. He's going to write a DC movie, so there's that. But not exactly the same kind of thing. Not exactly. No. No. Let's see. Moving on, though. I think we can move on. Yes. Uh, Legendary Pictures uh, decided to switch owners, or switch distribution. Yes. For going from Universal over to Warner's. Yeah. Actually, back over to Warner's. Right, back over to Warner's. They had been doing... What movies did they put out with Universal? Uh, I remember. It, was, it wasn't much. It was an eight-year deal. Yeah. Uh, Godzilla, King of the Monsters. Right. And Detective Pikachu. Are upcoming. Upcoming. For that deal. Yeah. But other than that, it's like... It was just a lot of promises. And Warner, of course, is where they've made their most important films. It's right. where they made the Batman movies. Mm-hmm. It's where they made... Uh, they, they, Christopher Nolan Inception. The Christopher Nolan stuff, all of the all of that stuff. And mm-hmm. so like people know associate legendary with the Warner name anyways. Right. So yeah, this was this is a good move for them to come back home. Detective Pikachu. <laughs> I can't wait till that thing comes out. Yeah. <laughs> uh. Ooh boy. Let's move on. Yeah. Uh another film that what wasn't released, but was definitely in at least the news zeitgeist, <laughs> was Bond 25. Oh, yeah. That thing's happening. And the ins and outs of trying to find a director for this so, thing. Yeah. Well, first off, whether or not Dale Craig would even come back. That was the first story, and that's always the story when they announce a new James Bond movie in the Craig era, is whether or not Daniel Craig will come back. Yes. And, of course, you wave enough money in front of him, and he eventually does. Right. But, yeah, the real story was the story, the chaos about, first, which studio would even put this thing out. Right. And then, who would direct it? Uh, first director they wanted was uh, Fukuzawa, uh, the guy who did uh, Blade Runner. Yeah. Um, 2049. Yeah. Because, well, no, 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 that wasn't the director. No, it wasn't the director. No, no, that was the cinematographer they Cinematographer. Wanted. Yeah. But no, they ended up going with uh, Danny Boyle, right? For a couple months, yeah. <laughs> While he submitted his treatment, yeah. And then eventually let Danny Boyle go, yeah. I think because they wanted to kill off James Bond, right? There was that t- story about how the script he didn't agree with what, or somebody didn't agree with what was the, the plan was for the script, right? Well, because Daniel Craig said he would like James Bond to die, right? Or for like the James Bond. Mantle to die, and then, like, at the very end, bring in the new 007. Right. Yeah. Like, as the person may die, but the persona doesn't. Does not, yeah. But apparently, the Bro- Broccoli family and MGM 
Didn't like that. No. So they let him go. Um, do they say replaced them? I thought that that was still up in the air. I think, no, they hired someone. Did they? I'm sure they hired someone because that thing's like filming like next oh, month. Okay. Then <laughs> I would hope. Uh, I know it's somewhere here in my notes. I don't, can't see it exactly. I didn't highlight it. But I'm sure they picked up someone. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, anyways. Anyway. Uh, we need, we, uh, film or movie studio we haven't talked about one of our favorites yeah Annapurna right we talked about them how they had kind of a middling year yeah and got into a little bit of financial trouble they did wasn't yeah nothing super super memorable uh no they had they'd gone through 200 million dollars and like only 40 million at the box office but yeah uh they're big film that they're kind of banging on right now is Vice. Yeah. And it's gotten awards. Or not won awards yet, but it's been nominated for six Golden Globes and is clearly the front runner yeah. to be uh, the Academy Awards. One of the favorites. front runners. I think it's a pretty tight race right now. Actually. It is. We'll have to see how the awards get, right. get given. But let's go, uh, let's go to China real quick and talk about one of the more interesting stories in actress Fan Bing Bing. Oh, yeah, this thing. And tax evasion. Yeah. So, yeah, it's like, I guess that she was in hiding uh, because of the, the Chinese government being after her about this tax evasion. Well, well, she wasn't in hiding. She was right. actually being held by the Chinese government. Yeah. The just people and her social media life was basically non-existent for two months, and people started wondering if she had been abducted. That, yeah, that's what it was. Uh, so, it turns out that, yes... She actually was part of a sting operation yeah. uh, from the Chinese government to basically curtail all of this backdoor wheeling and dealing for the taxes. Yeah. And it's being served as a warning to to all Chinese media that we know about this stuff. We will find you. You have until the end of the year to basically pay up. Yeah, and it's super scary. Like, just goes to show you... How powerful the Chinese government is about these kinds of things. It's ridiculous. But then elsewhere in news... Elsewhere in the news, we have Shrek to talk about. Uh, yeah. Briefly. There's going to be a new Shrek. At some point. At some point. They said that that was a thing that could happen. Yes. Um, when uh, Christopher Melendari of... The Despicable Me Illumination. Mr. Illumination. Mr. Yes. Illumination, who's <laughs> now basically running the... Yeah. Uh, the DreamWorks, DreamWorks Animation studio. Department that, as well. Both of those studios, yeah. Yep. He basically said, yep, there's going to be another Shrek movie. I'm like, yeah. yeah, of course there is. And then we get into November. Yeah, then we're almost, yeah, we're almost to the end of the year. Here. And elections happened in November. They did. And Georgia had some really weird elections. They did. Where both films are being Shot. Yeah, so there was a lot of talk last month about this, where it's like how we're gonna pull production projects. was threatening to pull. Yeah, uh, a lot of these production companies because these tax incentives would just dry up, depending on who was running the show over there. Well, not only that, but also of the the policymakers mm-hmm. being elected that they didn't yeah. quite agree with rigged elections that may or may not have occurred. Yes. 
Yeah, and so like, needless to say, if like you're running a production company and you don't agree with these policies, and if you think that your business will be endangered by a policymaker coming in and shaking things up, then yeah, why not hightail it and go somewhere else where you can produce in peace? Makes sense to me. Makes sense. But yeah, that could potentially have a huge effect on the industry as, as you said, Georgia is a huge hub for production. Yep. And that brings us to the end of the year. Does. We now have to pick a story for the year. So, so what are our, probably our, 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 our nominees here? So I would say that definitely the Harvey Weinstein. Harvey Weinstein is one. Wrap up is one. I'd say the Disney Fox buyout is another. And, and Movie Pass movie is pass. probably the third. Those are probably your top three. So I would probably say that for things that... What I usually go for and in the past I've gone for this kind of angle when we've talked about these things is which is going to create the longest lasting legacy. I think with that we could eliminate Just, yeah, the, can, the Weinstein because we yeah. talked about that last year. Mm-hmm. That was our top story of last year yep. which we yep. said yep. would have the lasting yep. impact. And we can probably eliminate MoviePass because that thing is basically gone and I don't think anybody is going to try the same thing ever again. Well... AMC has started their A-list, or their A-list stubs, which is a variant of MoviePass. But it's Uh, also the the movie company, uh, the theater company themselves doing it, which means it's not as volatile. They have an existing business. It's not their entire, it's not like their entire business is predicated on that thing being a success, like MoviePass was. Right, but also with the AMC stubs, as with a bunch of other uh, theater chain passes, Mm -hmm. that not only will you get discounted tickets... For a month, but you also end up getting like concessions free, or not free, but like reward concessions and like twenty percent off discounted, mm-hmm. and uh, like discounted other additional tickets as well. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, the, they've seen what MoviePass did, where they failed, and what they can do as a theater chain to basically curtail that from happening. Right. Right. While also working with studios. Yeah. So uh, I guess that brings us to Disney. Yeah, that's got to be the story because like I really, like I said uh, before, is I think that just the, the sheer number of things that they get from this, the sheer effect, like the effect that this will have on the industry as a whole, uh, award season about who owns streaming services like Hulu and like just the, uh, the, the amount of things that this will change is a big enough to make this the big story. Well, lest we forget, there was like three or four months there where Comcast was in the bidding for this thing as well. That could have been just as crazy. And it actually raised the price of Fox by like $13 billion. But yeah, this this is such a weird, weird thing to even start thinking about. Mm -hmm. Like, does that mean we're going to see like Wolverine at Disneyland? Like, you start thinking about these things and it's crazy all the things that could happen. Well, this has all been in anticipation of Disney+. Plus. Right. They're recently given a name, yeah, streaming service. That Which, if that <laughs> wasn't something that we had already been talking about last year, that would be on this list too, right. because that is also a crazy, potentially industry-changing event. When that's when that streaming service goes live, depending on how they price it and depending on the content that's on it, that is your Netflix killer. That is potentially a Netflix killer. Which is funny because Netflix already killed right. uh, the entire Marvel Defenders. In lead up probably to this event. They probably have been in negotiations this whole time about how they were going to balance the two platforms. Netflix probably looked at what they were saying and was like, nah, man, we don't want your 
your thing if you're trying to kill our business. Right. And they probably just axed all their shows, so that way Disney would, it would be a Disney's ballpark then to be like, well, I guess we have to do this or an equivalent on our own service. Which is what actually ended up happening. It was because yeah. it was actually Netflix that canceled the shows. Right. Not, not Disney. Disney, not Disney or Marvel pulling, pulling them. them. Netflix axed them. Yep. Which makes sense if you're Netflix, because if, you don't, if you're seeing a competitor that's about to launch a thing that could potentially endanger your business, you don't want to play ball anymore. Ball is done. The game is over. You're taking your bats and going home. <laughs> like, that's, that's, that's when it's time to like hunker down and build your thing up, because you have the biggest real competitor you've had in a long time. Right. Plus, this actually got us talking about not just... Um, uh, monopoly laws yeah. and and FTC and all the trade commissions uh, or FCC yeah. laws, but also international laws as well mm. as to what they can potentially sell and hold and gain yeah. um, internationally as well. Scary stuff. Yeah, because it's, it's one thing just to say, hey, we're going to have exclusive streaming rights for U.S., mm-hmm. but when you put the whole world into it, that's something complete. That's entire... Yeah. But yeah, uh, so that's our story. I think that's the, definitely the, the one with the most legacy. It's going to change a lot of things. Well, especially because you're dissolving one of the top six companies. Yeah, you're, you're dissolving a studio... Like, Well, not dissolving. Like I said, they'll probably still use the branding. Yeah. There's no way that that fanfare is done. <laughs> we'll keep all that, the logo, the fanfare. It's just the Fox name is very recognizable. And outside of Fox News, which they don't get from this purchase, and Fox Sports, which they don't get from this purchase, the Fox name is associated with a lot of important things. Star Wars, for one. Yeah, for one. Well, the first Star Wars. Yeah, but, Simpsons. Yeah, the Simpsons comes with this deal. Like I said, the X-Men's come with this deal. Alien. Alien. There's just so many things. Mm-hmm. If you list, if we looked at a, like, a list of things, you'd be shocked. Like, now what is a Disney property? Yep. But yeah, uh, let's move on then. That's our story. Disney buying 20, 21st Century Fox, I guess, technically, um, is your story for film, for sure. All right. That also has stuff on TV, though. There's some crossover there. So. Yeah. Okay. Well, we're, now that we're done with that, we have to actually talk about films. Yeah, let's move into the second half part of the show. I was going to say half, but eh, it'll probably be shorter. It'll be half an hour. Uh, but yeah, uh, this, is, this is the part where we talk typically talk about our own individual top five lists. I'm going to take a second, though, to tell you that I do not have a top five prepared, and that is because I did not see enough movies in order to whittle down to a top five quality. So to be I fair, say, you did see five films. I did see probably more than five films, but what I will say is, like, here are the movies that I saw this year that I recommend. That's one way I can put this. Okay. Uh, obviously, I saw Black Panther and I saw Avengers. I already kind of did my piece about that, so those are probably... Black Panther probably would have been my number one regardless uh, this year because I probably, if I was looking at movies that I enjoyed the most this year, that's probably it. Uh, Avengers, yep, probably probably solid on that list as well. Other than that, though, I mean, I saw Mamma Mia 2. That's fun, but you know what that is. Yep. And it's not like an amazing movie. I saw uh, Incredibles 2. That would probably be on my list. It's really, really wonderful, but it is a sequel to The Incredibles. It is good, and they do interesting and creative things with the concept of a sequel to The Incredibles, and I did have a really good time at it. But is it 
in a, even in the top five of like Pixar films? Probably not. Like it's fine. It, like it is a good it's a good movie as a sequel to The Incredibles, but it's not the most creative or original thing they've ever done. Right. But it's really good. Um, then I I mean I saw Smallfoot, but that wouldn't be on a top ten or a top twenty or a top fifty list. Uh, it's not a very good movie. I did not enjoy it that much. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine kids entertainment. But besides that, and I saw Solo, but also not a top 20 even movie. So it's like, you know, I didn't see enough movies. I still have to see Spider-Man. Uh, I still have to see Roma. I'll see those probably in the upcoming week. That's okay. <laughs> um, but you saw 52 movies. Yeah. I saw, so last year, I ended the year with 48 films. Yeah. See, and it made me kind of angry because I was, yeah. was like that so shy of a movie a week. Movie a week. And then, you know, I severely abused movie pass yeah. while I had it. Which helped. And it helped. And I eventually did reach 52 films this year. Yeah. But I have to, so I split my list up. I do two lists when we do these things. One is the prestige films, the films that are your award winners, the ones that are gonna, you're going to see on top tens, yeah. ones that are, yes, these films you should watch. And then I have a second list of films that I severely enjoy, and basically my criteria is, would I watch this thing again? Right. Okay. And I feel that's a basic enough criteria to where yeah. I enjoyed my time at the film watch list to where I want to watch it again. So let's start with that list. Okay, so so let's just do top fives and let's go backwards from five to one. All right. At number five, okay. I have a film you're probably going to be angry at. <laughs> but it is Ready Player One. Ugh, that's right. I did see that this year. <laughs> oh, God. Can we do a worse? No. We don't do worse lists. No. But, but if that was worse, I would have that number one as worse. Well, probably worse that you saw this year. I saw something completely worse than <laughs> I that. Know you did. But no, oh, anyway. this film is enjoyable. Yeah. I had fun watching it. There's a lot of references. There's a lot of like it's nods all in it. It's all references. It's all nods. <laughs> Steven Spielberg is the only one who could make this yeah. film. Yeah, literally. Um, I really loved the animation in it. The Robert Zemeckis style computer graphics, motion yeah. uh, capture in it. It's great. The story itself, as uh, we said during our review of it, very middling. And that's because the the story it's based on, Ugh. the book, is yeah. very middling. I was going to say, middling is being very nice. Oh, it is. <laughs> oh, no, no. The book, it, like, yeah. the book itself is a huge dumpster fire. Of, yeah. I want to make this reference for reference sake. Right. This kid is so perfect, but he's also super nerdy. It's like, yeah, it's we like, get it. Yeah, we get it. It's like, we get it. Yeah. But no, this is a fun film. Um, when it came, Fun. hey, when it came Close. on, when it came on TV, I put it on because like, yeah, I have been <laughs> watching that. It has good set pieces. Good, they're memorable. They're I guess, memorable. But they're well for directed. Better reason. They're well directed. It's fine direction. I don't know. It's okay. It's it's acceptable direction from Steven Spielberg. Yes. Sure. Like you cannot compare that to a good Spielberg movie. No, but it's an enjoyable Spielberg movie. Sure. I and know. seeing as... I don't know. What? Last time I made something this, like, overall family entertaining mm-hmm. was... Long time. I don't know. The BFG. The BFG. I guess the BFG <laughs> was family entertaining. But nobody, but nobody saw, saw it. it. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I mean, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, but you know, in terms of films I'd watch again, mm-hmm. 
That's one of them. I had I had a pleasant time watching it. But there were four movies that you liked better than that. Oh, I severely liked better than that. All right. But that's just because like like six through fifty uh-huh. were complete <laughs> and utter. A lot of like either trash, dumpster fire, or I just didn't care for them. Just unnecessary. Yes. Um. So my fourth one mm-hmm. is Incredibles two. As okay. you said, yeah, yeah. This was a great film. I loved it from the first frames of it mm-hmm. to the very end. Its only thing is that it goes after Incredibles, which is mm-hmm. by and large a masterpiece of a film. It's great. As we talked about this year, it is great. Yes. It is a great film. Mm-hmm. Uh, I saw it uh, t- again. Uh, Jack Jack is hilarious <laughs> in yes. it. Uh, I do feel like some of the family dynamic is missing, though, because a lot of that was held in the first film. They didn't want to retread the same ground, and I'm glad they didn't because yes. they got to see the other side of the family dynamic between them and their father instead of them and their mother. Right. And it was it was an interesting kind of change-up. Right, and there's only so much family dynamic drama you can throw into films yeah. to, to make them... And also tell well, an action story. Tell Yeah, to tell a proper story. Uh, number three is Black Panther. Yeah. Uh, rightfully so. This thing is a masterpiece in and of itself. It got the Golden Globe nomination mm-hmm. for uh, best film yeah. or best drama film. Yeah. Uh, the music in this works mm-hmm. super well. Ryan Coogler, I love since I yep. saw his work at Fruitvale Station. Mm-hmm. Uh, Michael B. Jordan is, um, if not already, a master actor <laughs> yeah. in, in his craft. Uh, we here at the Media Boat Podcast love Michael B. Jordan. Yep. As previously stated. Yes. Uh, like, like we said, there's not enough praise you can heap upon Black Panther from its direction to its writing to its casting to its the whole thing. Just, just art yeah. it's a beautiful film to not just look at but story to follow as well yeah like, this thing has layers really and does. I love me some layers <laughs> by layer beefy burrito but speaking of layers right. that brings us to our second film Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Yeah. This thing You just is, saw this. I just saw this, and this thing is as advertised. Yeah. It is layered w- with uniqueness. It is layered with a vision storytelling, a different perspective in a comic book film, mm-hmm. and just overall, it's got a heart to it that I was not expecting Watching a Sony animation film. Yeah, yeah. I cannot stress that enough. This thing was on my radar going to be a fun popcorn flick, but ultimately disappointing. And no. <laughs> yeah. This thing. Let's show you. It's 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 great. I expect this to actually win animation awards. I think it will. I, and think, I think it will. I think it will. As I said in the previous podcast, this was a year of sequels from Disney Animation and from Pixar. So it might have a chance to win just based on the pure originality that it brings. Right. And it's a different story of Mm Spider-Man. Not just Peter Parker, but this is Miles Morales. And And then a billion other Spider-Men. And and five other (laughs) Spider-Men. Yeah, like so many Spider-People. 
it's very, it's, very excited. I can't wait to see it. I uh, really want to see that. You, movie. You'll enjoy it. I it's tried to get film. James to see me see it with me on Thursday yeah. so we could dodge traffic, and he's like, no, I don't want to see a movie. I'm like, oh, come on. Oh, come on. Spider-Man. <laughs> Everyone knows Spider-Man. Spider-Man. Yeah. It actually, funny enough, plays off of that. Yeah. That, oh, everyone knows my story yeah. already. Yeah, yeah we right. did this. We saw that. Then that happened. <laughs> you stopped that train that one time. Yeah. 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 It, it says that. <laughs> yes. Oh, <laughs> uh, I can't wait to see this movie. Yes. Well, uh, yeah, I'm glad. Yeah. Also, like, one of the things that I really liked about it was its uniqueness in a different take on villains that you know and love. <laughs> of Kingpin, of Green Goblin. Yeah. Of, yeah. Of, of just the characters that you know, that you've seen iterations of, but to have a completely new and different iteration, but still yeah. maintaining the essence of that character is phenomenal. That's good. Cool. What's number one? What do you think is number one? I actually guess that there's only one it could be. Yeah. Go ahead. It's Avengers Infinity yeah. War. Uh, in terms of films, I would definitely see again. I think I saw the thing three times in theaters. Yeah, yeah I guess so. Uh, it's perfect. It, wow! I, I know, know that's I high praise. That far, I want to go. That's high praise. That's high praise. But <laughs> it's a perfect culmination sure. of ten years of work. You're, yeah, yeah, it is. Of growing with these characters, of understanding where they've been, mm-hmm. but also where they were last seen, and bringing them together in this film. Yeah, just you see them coming from literally all aspects of the world to. Fight a common goal. Yeah. Fight a common cause. That's true. And then ultimately lose. And Spoiler fail. alert. Yeah. But completely yeah. fail. Yeah. I mean, in part we knew this was gonna happen because there was a part two announced. Yeah. But how it happened and everything that led up to was it was new. Was new, was interesting, was exciting. Yeah. There is no down in that film. Yeah. There is no low. And that's why it's like I could turn to any part in that film mm-hmm. and know what's happening. Yeah, and that is tough to do with any film. That's really hard to do. That's one of the reasons why I kind of grew dis like grew away from the Marvel movies because they got too convoluted, too confusing. I never knew like Age of Ultron again. Compare these two movies; and they could not be set up any more different. Age of Ultron, I had no idea what was happening. If you showed me a random clip, mm-hmm. I'd be like. I don't know where this is. I don't remember who these people are. I don't know what's happening. But yeah, Infinity War, opposite. They do such a good job of like, no, this is the planet we're on. This is the context. Mm -hmm. This is what's happening right now. This makes sense. All right, and it's always like, these are the characters you're around right now. Yeah. This is their internal conflict while also an external conflict that they're approaching. And just like I said, I can't keep uh, harping on this anymore, but the way it ends is so unique amongst the Marvel movies. You feel a melancholy. You feel like a, ooh, like a weird feeling of like, what's gonna happen? Like, that was pretty dark. Now, that was pretty messed up. Now, well, yes, we do yeah. know that future films are announced for these franchises. Right, yes, we do. But still, the impact of yes. that ending is, is palpable. Like, just the, it's so different. You're so used to coming away from a popcorn movie just being like, all right, cool, that was fun. Stuff blew up. And this one is very much like, oh, I don't know. I don't well, know how they're going to do It's anything. also from a 
Marvel film, which is usually mm-hmm. the good guys will in, win in yeah. the end. They'll like, always find a way. They're going to end and they're going to be like sitting around a table eating shawarma. Like, that's what we're <laughs> used to. Yeah. And they totally pulled the rug out from under you at this movie. And followed up with the trailer for Endgame is that same kind of melancholy feeling. Mm-hmm. It's very much this... It's that unknownness. Unknown. It's very much tosses you into this world where now we don't know if the heroes will win. And it's, yeah, I, I agree. I agree. It's definitely very, very good. Yep. And so those are my top five films based on what I would see again. Sure. Now let's get to actual top five. These are the, <laughs> the ones that are going to win awards. Yeah, this or is hopefully your award seat. This is your prestige list. Yes, this is my actual list of top five films uh-huh. I've seen. Okay. Based on quality. Yeah. These are quality, quality films. And we'll begin at number five with A Star is Born. Okay. Is this on here because of the acting? It's on here because of the acting. Yeah. It's on here because of first-time director Bradley Cooper. Right. It's on here because of the damn songs. Right, 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 right. They are well-written. Lady Gaga is phenomenal in this thing. Bradley Cooper is phenomenal in this thing. It's a great piece of cinema artwork. Okay. You yeah, haven't seen it yet. Have no, you? I haven't seen it yet. Uh, I remember you 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 were being, you were pleasantly surprised by Bradley Cooper Bradley Cooper's actual skill here. Yes. You're like, wow, not only is he good, but he's like great for his first time. Yeah, he's yeah. a great director. He doesn't uh, like a lot of the shots, a lot of his composition that he puts up there. He definitely shoots for the edit. Yeah. Uh, but that's a good thing, especially for first time directors. They usually tend to like let things sit and grow. Yeah. But no, he had a vision for this thing. And it's very pleasant okay. to watch. Cool. I. It definitely made me cry. It made me feel things. <laughs> that's what it's supposed to do. And that's what it's supposed to do. But right. yeah, this is a definitely a film you need to watch. Uh, number four is Eighth Grade by Bo Burnham, another mm-hmm. first-time director. Okay. This was funny. It was charming. They used actual 8th graders in its casting. Right. Uh, it's a really nice look into a millennial kid. I wouldn't say teenager, but no. This is a kid. They're in 8th grade, going in, graduating from 8th grade, and deals with all the same problems you would expect to see, all the same uh, nuances, mm-hmm. but it does it in such a matter-of-fact, grown-up matter to where it doesn't make it... it doesn't kid itself when it goes around a drama or a problem. It doesn't try and, like, oh, we're going to have some random thing happen. Everything's going to work out. No. This is actual life as it happens. And you feel for Elsie Fisher in this, the main character. Right, right, right. And it goes back to just the writing. This thing should get writing nominations. Yeah. I think it gets it has the Golden Globe writing nom. I think it did. Yeah. Yeah. But I think it will get an Academy Award writing nomination. I'd be surprised. It's a great film. I believe it's on demand somewhere. You can definitely find it at Redbox. Yeah. Watch it. It like I said, this thing will make you feel things. <laughs> a lot of feels. It's also awkward because eighth yeah. grade was awkward. It's that by definition. By definition, eighth grade is an <laughs> awkward year, and the film itself can be awkward at times, but it makes you feel exactly what the characters are feeling, mm-hmm. which is a great aspect to have yeah. in a film. 
Speaking of feeling things. Yeah. That brings us to our third, my third film. Okay. And this is Roma. Wow, number three. Yes. Okay, all There are right. two films better than Roma. So you just talked about this on our podcast this past week. Yes. Um, you, you, were, you were pretty much like, yeah, this is very well made, like, but why is it number three on this list? It made me feel things. Yeah. Like I said, it's a slow, well, I talked about this last week, it is a slow start. It's a yeah, slow right. burn from the start. You don't know where you're at, you don't know what's going on, but because of that, it works very well. Right. You right. slowly gather pieces, you slowly, like, are... Th- it's because you're not thrusted into this thing mm-hmm. to like now you have to root for these characters. No, it makes you like question them. What are their goals? What are their motives? Where are they? Yeah. It makes you feel stuff for them to have that emotional payoff at the end, and that emotional payoff makes you feel. <laughs> oh. So yeah, again with the feeling. <laughs> yes. No. 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 This movie has to make, like, movies got to make you feel stuff. So here. I have a question about this that I didn't get a chance to ask to uh, ask on the, the podcast on Wednesday. Okay. That I feel like is probably important for a lot of people who potentially want to see this, but aren't sure about what the best approach is. Yes. Do you think this movie would benefit from going to a, a smaller theater and seeing it on the big screen? Or do you recommend just because of convenience's sake, people watching this on Netflix? I think because of convenience sake, you mm-hmm. should... Watch on Netflix. You don't think it loses anything by watching it on, say, a phone screen or a laptop screen? Oh, yeah. Don't watch it on a phone or a laptop screen. <laughs> no. Watch it on a TV. Yeah. Okay. But I will say, if you can go to the theater, do it. Because Try, yeah. it will eliminate distractions sure. from around so you. So you can focus in on So you can focus on everything screen. that this film is delivering. Because, yeah, that's kind of my struggle I'm trying to deal with right now. Is like, I want to see this. But I'm like, should I just watch this on a TV, or should I actually go and spend money on it? Well, see, that was my problem with yeah. trying to watch it, because at first it was like, well, this is a two-hour thing. Yeah. I could sit on the couch and watch anything for two hours. Right. Do I really want to watch this black and white? Uh-huh. It like, feels like something film. I should see in a theater. That's my problem. Is that like, but it's just, I don't know if I'm going to have time to do that. Right, but that's also like where most of the problems lie with this film. Sure. Of because it is in a accessible direct streaming thing. Mm-hmm. Do I watch it streaming or do I go to a theater that's if I can? Why I asked is because like I'm sure that's on a lot of people's minds. Well, yeah. If you go to a theater, you're definitely less distracted by yeah. stuff. But I'd say if you have a, you'll still TV, enjoy it. Is you'll what still, you're saying. you'll if, still get the the message that's coming if you across. Watch it. At home. Yeah. Okay. Okay, cool. That answers my question. All right. What is Elsa's on this list then? All right. Well, now, number two. So, number two is also a first time director. Okay. John Krasinski, A Quiet Place. Oh, right, I forgot it came out this year. I also forgot <laughs> this came out this year until I was going through my list. I was like, oh, man. that was a great film. Yeah. Now, I don't like horror films. Right. But last year, it knocked my socks off. Right. It, the movie, not like It in it, general. the movie. Yes. It, chapter one, I think is what they're officially calling it. <laughs> sure, yes. <laughs> now that the sequel has been announced, right. It, chapter two. Uh, but yeah, A Quiet Place, a film where there is little to no dialogue. Yeah. Everything is based off emotions and facial expressions and action that you are immersed in this thing. The monster itself is a bit out there but not to the point to where well why don't they just do this like no you're living in this environment with them 
and it's definitely a theater experience. The silence is deafening and heartbreaking. Even hiring of a deaf actress to play yeah. this thing was a great call. That is. And, you know, actual real-life husband and wife <laughs> yeah. being played here uh, with John Krasinski and uh, Emily Blunt. Right, right, yeah. It's you really know, cool. It's really cool. It's a fun... Not fun. It's a... <laughs> It's a well-received family dynamic yeah. between the two of them. Uh, they definitely have chemistry between each other, and I should hope so. Yeah, you'd hope. But no, this was a film that was being touted as a mat. Not, not, I hate saying masterpiece a lot, but we're not talking about like top tens here or yeah, top five. Yeah, we are. <laughs> like a masterpiece of silent filmmaking. And I was like, okay, all right. I'm not into horrors, but let me check this out. And I was blown away by first-time directors. Yeah. Like, that's a running theme this year. It is, it is. Yeah. Like, Jordan Peele last year kind of like opened right. the door to like, yeah, no, just because they're first-time directors doesn't mean they don't know what they're doing. Yeah, it, it really proved a lot of people. But no, A Quiet Place was one that jumped, came out of me out of nowhere. Yeah. And yeah, it's gripping. All right, well, give it to us. What's number one, according to you? All right, the number one film of 2018, believe it or not, is not a, really a film. It is a documentary. Okay. It is Won't You Be My Neighbor. Oh, okay, all right. I loved this thing. Yeah. So growing up, I had an idea of, you know, what Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood right, was. Yeah. You know, you grew up. Like, as a kid of the 90s. You think you know him. You think like, you, you know him. You see every day. It. Like, he's got that nice sweater. He teaches right. you how to tie your shoes. It's like, it's 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 a very, it's a good kid show because it's like he, he knew a way to connect to children without talking down to them. Right. Yeah. But this film explored the backstory of who Fred right. Rogers is, where he grew up, how he became Mr. How he became himself before he became Mr. Rogers. <laughs> yeah. And then past what Mr. Rogers did and helped and not only in children's programming, but in federal legislation right. of PBS, of, of children's television. It was not just a staple on the TV, but a staple in that community. Oh, yeah. Like, he himself changed lives. And this film changed my perspective not just on that, but on children's television in general. And I'm getting teary-eyed just talking about <laughs> that. Yeah. It has a, such an emotional impact yeah. that I was not expecting going into it. And I will say this. Uh, outside of Marvel films, because I stayed at the end for the credits for the post credit scene. Right. This film made me stay through mm -hmm. the credits, which does not happen. Yeah. I sat there at the end of that film cry, teary-eyed, mm -hmm. smiling at what I just watched, and I'm tearing up right now talking about, <laughs> it. about it. It's that good of a film. Yeah. This thing, I want to give this thing, like, all the awards <laughs> I could possibly... This will be up for documentary film, for sure. Oh, this should definitely win for documentary filmmaking. Okay. All right. It has... Or the film. The show. The show. It has interviews with uh, his wife and his kids. And it's such a powerful piece of film that I think everyone should watch. 
And I'm glad that's like people can see it. Yeah, so a lot of people can see it. It's this is a great like holiday gift, a, just a gift, not just a holiday gift, but just a gift to the world. And, and I can't say enough about <laughs> this thing. Okay. Well, there you go. So I guess the, well, the remaining, we pick a movie that rep- represents like the year. Uh, according to both of our uh, lists, or my non-existent list and your actual list, uh, that we feel like fits the, the, the winning movie for the site. A 2018 yes. site film of the year. So, yeah, I mean, there isn't a whole lot of crossover because I didn't see a lot of the movies that you saw. And that's not my fault. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. It's not your fault. Uh, but but I think that uh, probably be, this is probably between two movies, right? It's probably Black Panther or Avengers. Yeah, Infinity War. Um, I could see it going to either one. They're both really top-notch films. Yeah. But as I set out my list, yeah, I put Avengers number one. Yeah, and I mean, and like rightfully so. I I I would think. Yeah, and uh, I feel like yeah, even though I enjoyed Black Panther probably a little bit more, and I would still put it above Avengers. I think your argument that you just made. Um, kind of convinced me that maybe that's the right pick because it is kind of a, a culmination of um, years of movies and it does a good job with what they had to work with. Like, it's not an easy movie to make, not an easy script to write. It's like they, they somehow did it and they did it in a way where we came up, like, away from it, like, shocked how well they did at it. Like, I think that, that after that argument, I'm, I'm saying that it's, I'm perfectly okay with putting that as the, the site number one. Okay. I mean, I'm not going to argue with my number one. Yeah, so there you go. Uh, Avengers Infinity War is the Media Boat Podcast movie of 2018. But we also have some fallen films of the past year we should probably give a mention <laughs> to. I guess. Uh, starting with uh, 12 Strong, or at least movies that I saw. The Commuter. Oh. <laughs> like, this is like your in memoriam. My in memoriam films. The that- movies that sucked. Uh, Den of Thieves, which I enjoyed, <laughs> but is nowhere near as a heist film it should be. Yeah. Uh, the Cloverfield Paradox. Oh, yeah. Coming right off the Super Bowl. People hated that thing. Yes. Uh, the first animated movie we saw, Early Man. Oh, yeah. That was not bad. It was just okay. Game Night. Uh, you liked Game Night. I liked Game Night. Yeah. Annihilation, I loved. Yeah. But nobody went and saw it because of the right. female cast. And, yeah. Uh, high sci-fi concept. Uh, let's see. A Wrinkle in Time. Which was a big bomb for Disney. Uh, speaking of bomb, Bomb Raider. I mean, Tomb Raider. <laughs> Not as much of a bomb, but did underperform. Uh, Love's Comma Simon. All right. Yeah, this did okay. It did you, okay. you enjoyed that one. I, I enjoyed it. How were you speaking highly of it? It was a good film of what it is. Yeah. Of a coming of age story. Yeah. Uh, Pacific Rim Uprising. We had that thing. Yeah, it was the, a sequel to a Pacific Rim. Yes, we had uh, Isle of Dogs. Right, right, right. That had its issues. Yes. I Feel Pretty. I forgot that came out this year. That's why we're going through this. <laughs> uh, Deadpool 2 and subsequent uh, Once Upon a Deadpool. Yeah, re-release. <laughs> Currently in theaters. Yes. Uh, let's see here. Life of the Party, Melissa McCarthy. Oh, yeah. And lest we also forget the other Melissa McCarthy, The Happy Time Murders. Oh, yeah. Jeez, people buried that thing. Yeah, they did. 
immediately after it came out. The Shaley Woodley I Can Act film. All right. Adrift. Yeah, right. Uh, Upgrade. Ocean's 8 came out this year. Oh, jeez. Yeah, you're right. Uh, Hotel Artemis, which I thought was a great concept, just executed so poorly. Yeah. Uh, Hereditary. Uh-huh. Tag. Jurassic World 2. Oh, yeah. Uh, Ant-Man and the Wasp. Uh-huh. Hotel Transylvania 3. Skyscraper. Right. Sorry to bother you. Yeah, where is that on everybody's list? That, I feel like people forgot about people that. People forgot yeah. about that film. Poor also, Boots Riley. Also, it went weird the last act. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, Mamma Mia 2. Uh-huh. I saw that. Christopher Robin. Right. Black Klansman. Where's, where's That's that? That's not on the your lists either. No. I, uh, it's there, but not enough to be like well-known. Yeah. Let's see here. Searching. Smallfoot. Bohemian Rhapsody. Fox's yeah, big yeah. film of the year. Yeah. Eh. Uh, Ralph Breaks the Internet. Crazy Rich Asians. Yeah. Uh, the Ballad of Buster Scruggs, which is only a short of the whole film. And yeah, that's pretty much it. Oh yeah, Skyscraper. Yeah. Skyscraper <laughs> happened. Uh, also, rock. Rampage happened. <laughs> oh, Rampage happened. Yeah, it was a weird, weird year, but uh, yeah, I think event, I think Avengers uh, Night is a good school pick happened. out of all of them. Yeah, I, I'm I'm happy yeah, with, with this. As, as we said at the beginning, there's a lot of good, as you can see, highlighted spots within yeah. the year. It was a good movie. It was a good year for solid movies, but there just wasn't that one that was like, okay, this is this is it. I mean, the buildup for Avengers. Yeah. Was it, and then they pretty much dominated the summer. But there's no, but judging by this conversation, like it was not as, it's not like last year where we were talking like Coco, about Coco, so glowing. There's no Coco this year. There's no thing that we could just both be like, no, this is the thing. This is the movie. Yeah. But, but yeah, Avengers is a good pick, I think. All right, and that wraps us up for the movies. That wraps up us for movies, so that's just part one of this four part special. Uh, so this week we'll be packed with podcasts. We'll have a podcast every day. We do the film one, then we'll do a television wrap-up again uh, next time. And then we'll have a regular show for you on Wednesday. And then the rest of the week we'll have music and video games. So look forward to each of those. They will be going up on the podcast feed every day. Uh, we will make sure uh, that uh, we get everything tied up in a nice little package for you guys to unwrap on uh, by Christmas week. So... Uh, in the meantime, we'll be back for another one with television next, or if you have them already available to you, you can check them out now. So go ahead, do that, or we'll see you tomorrow. Yeah. Or hit it up the next right day. now. All right, bye. All right, bye.